Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. And would you help me and just welcome everyone joining us online as well. Just give them a round of applause. Say, hey, we love you guys. I'm gonna have you hang out with me for a few minutes, Matt. Uh, man, how incredible is our, our worship team? Aren't they amazing? They're so good. I think we're just so blessed week in and week out to be led by those guys. But here's what I want us to do. I, if you have a Bible, a paper Bible, that'd be great today. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 11, and I'm going to give you three verses. That's it. Just three verses today. Uh, we're going to read them first from the NIV version, and then we're going to look at them again from the message version of God's word. I think three verses is all that we need. And these three verses will really speak to, I believe, where a lot of us find ourselves in this season. In fact, here's what I I would say. This could be the greatest invitation next to the invitation to allow Jesus to pay for your sins once and for all, past, present, and future, the, the invitation for salvation. I think what we're about to read could be the greatest invitation that he offers us. To anyone who has ever felt tired or worn out or burnt out or just in that season of hurried and the the hustle and the bustle, am I speaking to anybody in this Christmas season that's gotta go and go and go and do and do and shopping lists and all that has to be done and companies coming over and the preparations that have to be made? I think what Jesus is about to to speak to us through his word really is one of the greatest invitations of all. And you'll see that this this text is in red, which means this is coming from the the mouth of the, the star breather himself. If you've ever wanted to know what God is like, look no further than Jesus. Jesus is the representation of who God is. And here's what he's saying that we can have Today, Matthew 11, verse 28, here we go. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. How many of you know we're off to a good start already? I wonder if you came through these doors today ready to rest, or did you come through these doors and you just have all this stuff that's going on in your mind and it feels like you, you just can't give your mind a rest, even if you're sitting down. You can't even give your soul a rest. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Remember that word, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And if you read through the gospels, the the four accounts of the life of Jesus, you'll notice that Jesus always has this certain rhythm and pace and cadence to his, his life that he would walk through life with. He was the most wanted man on the face of the earth. He was the most sought after man. In fact, wherever he would go, crowds would gather, chaos would ensue. There was just so much happening around him. And yet every single day without fail, he was relaxed and he was present in the moment that he was in, never hurried, never in a rush come to me all who are weary and burdened i'll give you rest dallas willard has this famous quote where he says this hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day 
Of all the things that could be a, a great enemy of ours, he says, hurry is the greatest enemy and you must, I love this language, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Ruthlessly, just get it out of there, delete it from your life. Now let's look at those same three verses again, one more time from the message version. This is Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of God's word. It says this, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? And can I just remind some of you, just because you've tried religion or tried church does not mean you've tried Jesus. It's not the same thing. Does not mean you've, you've begun a relationship with him. He says, are you tired? Are you burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you will recover your life. But that sounds great to some of you. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. And I think this is such a critical part of, of following Jesus, and that is matching the, the rhythm and the pace of the one that you and I claim to follow. Like if we're gonna follow him, then let's, let's let our lives look like his to the best of our ability. He says this, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Doesn't that sound good? Unforced, that kind of sounds like you're at a spa. We're having a spa day today. All we need is some aromatherapy. We're gonna light some candles. The unforced rhythms of grace. I will not lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and learn to live lightly. And I think we could read that, say amen, go home, call it a day, and we'd be good. Um, but I'll get fired if we do that. Uh, actually, that's not true. I have a pretty chill boss, and so I'm not sweating. <laughs> but based on what he says about unforced rhythms and grace, here's what I'm thinking. If Jesus were walking this earth with us today in Erie, PA, Christmas 2022, and he was to take a look at all that's happening around us in this season, I think he'd get a kick out of it. Uh, I think there are some things that he would enjoy about it. I think he'd like all the, you know, of course, the people, all the parties. He'd like the peppermint mochas. You know, he'd like all that kind of stuff in this season. But how many of you know, I believe there are some things that he might not like. I think there are some things about the way that you and I live, especially in this season, that he might not agree with or think are so great. And so I've been asking myself this question. You remember the, that old school um, WWJD? You remember that? I've been asking myself this question, WWJDTC. What would Jesus do this Christmas? Like what would, we, what would he do if, if he was here in this notoriously busy time of year? What would Jesus do? And because of that quote from Dallas Willard, I think Jesus would ruthlessly eliminate hurry, not busyness, because Jesus was busy. He was absolutely busy, but he was never in a hurry because they're two very different things. Busyness is this external kind of reality, um, but being hurried is an internal condition of your soul. It's an internal condition of your, your heart, the way that you are living your life. Like, like if your soul is hurried, how many of you know you will never thrive in life? You can't. I mean, it won't be possible because you're constantly thinking about the next season and how to get from here to there and all that you have to do. It's really impossible to thrive 
in that kind of, of lifestyle when you're desperately you know, moving from one thing to the next to have this hurried life. So my question for us, Elevate Church, and I think it's a question that God has for us today. What would it look like if you and I in this season were to match the rhythm and the pace of Jesus? What would it look like for you to ruthlessly eliminate hurry this Christmas? What would it look like for God to disrupt some things? Disrupt your calendar, disrupt your, your schedule, disrupt the way that we spend our time and our money, disrupt some areas in our life. I think here's what we need, a divine disruption. Are you with me? So God, do it. Holy Spirit, move. We're asking you right now to disrupt those areas of our life, God, that just have us living like everyone else. Just doing what the, the world does, conforming to the patterns that are, are around us. And so we're praying, God, that there would be a divine disruption, whatever that looks like for every single one of us in this room. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Max. See you in 26 minutes, brother. Here we go. All right, loud and proud. You guys ready? Where are all my Christmas movie fans at in the house? Christmas movies? All right, we're about to get it on. We're about to play a game. This is going to be guys versus girls. All right, just so you know, throwing this out there. I know you're already intrigued already. And guys, we all love competition, do we not? And ladies, you like competition when it's about beating the guys. All right, so I know. But I am going to give you a line from some of our favorite uh, Christmas movies. And so the first one to shout out what the movie is, you win a point. You get a point. And these are real points. Kind of not real, but real at the same time, right? Because we all want to feel like we're winning. We all want to walk out of these doors feeling like we're winners. And guys, I got a really good feeling about this. Just so you know, I'm not trying to be biased. You know, ladies, prove me wrong. But I do think the guys are going to, to take it. This is going to be best out of five. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you these quotes or, or act them out. I don't know what. It just depends on what I feel like. You ready for the first one? And by the way, if you're at home watching online, you can play online too. I won't be there to ref you, but God is. He's watching. <laughs> now I pulled that card. I pulled the... God's watching you. All right, you guys ready? All right, here we go. Here's the first one. Oh, Eddie, if I woke up tomorrow morning with my head sewn to the carpet... What, what? Was it a lady? Stop. Okay, okay, okay. Listen, no fighting. We'll give that one to the ladies. Ladies, fine. Christmas Vacation. Come on, one of my favorite movies of the year. If I woke up with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be any more surprised than I am right now. Ladies, one. Guys, zero. That's going to change quickly. All right, this one's gonna go fast. Ready for it? Buzz, your girlfriend, woof! He was louder, I don't know if he was first, but he's definitely louder. So let's go, guys, one, ladies, one. All right, the competition, that was Home Alone. That was one of my, my, my five-year-old Gray, he's loving that movie right now. Number three, if a guy gets this, it might be a Christmas miracle. I'll just put that out there. And uh, here it is. You ready? Iris, if you were a melody, I'd use... 
The Holiday. I heard it. Definitely, ladies. Come on, The Holiday. It's a great movie with Jack Black. If you were a melody, I'd use only the good notes. Only the good notes. So ladies, two. Guys, one. Is that what we have? Number four. Four o'clock. Wallowing self-pity. 4.30. Stare into the... I'm finishing the quote. Stare into the abyss. Five o'clock. Solve world hunger. Tell no one. Was it a lady? The Grinch. The Grinch. Okay. So, right. Is that already three? Wow. All right, guys. I know you're going to get this last one. Here we go. You sit on the throne of lies. You smell like beef and cheese. Elf! Come on, Elf. I heard it for the guys. You smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. Elf. I love the movie Elf. Well, well done, ladies. I don't know if you can win Christmas, but you just have won Christmas. Congratulations. Good job. One more, one more participatory experience for all of us, uh, and then we'll move on. And I promise there's a point to this. Uh, on the count of three, I want you to yell out your favorite Christmas movie. Just everybody in the room. Ready? One, two. And, and by the way, you don't have to play along. There's people, do I got to play? No, you don't have to. You can be a Grinch. That's fine. Just sit there. One, two, three. If you said elf, you're right. You're right. So you get another point. You get another point today. Congratulations. Uh, elf is quickly, next to Christmas Vacation, becoming one of my favorite movies. And it's because I love Buddy. Like, Buddy is a hero of mine. Uh, Buddy is a great role model, and here's why. Just because people do it one way does not mean that's how Buddy does it, right? I mean, just because, you know, um, you know nobody eats you know, spaghetti with syrup on it, with caramel Pop-Tarts on it, for breakfast doesn't mean that that buddy doesn't do it just because no one else believes in Santa doesn't mean you know that that buddy won't like everybody else is afraid to sing in public they're too embarrassed but buddy's not right just because people do it one way doesn't mean he won't he's like I'm singing I'm in church and I'm singing I should be preaching but I'm singing right now like that's what I love about buddy which leads me to my timely Christmas transition just because our world and everybody in it is hurried and rushed in this never-ending rat race, especially in this season, never present in the present moment, just because that's the, the pattern of the world does not mean that needs to be the pattern of your life. Are you with me? Just because it's the way that everybody else is living in our culture and what culture says, you have to do everything, be at everything, go here, go there, do this, do that. Just because hurry sickness is a reality and is a real medical condition that most of us deal with does not mean hurry sickness should be the dominant uh, condition of your soul, of your heart. In fact, John 10, 10, Jesus tells us this, and we need to be aware of both forces working in our life. Jesus says, I came to give you an abundant life so you can live a full life. And we love that. We, we grab hold of that. But he says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and, and destroy. And we need to be aware of both of those, those things that are happening, um, that you have an enemy, that he wants to take you out. And we need to acknowledge him, not elevate him, but acknowledge him. And just because you don't want to acknowledge the fact that he's there doesn't mean he's not there. 
But the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And the main weapon that he uses in his arsenal against us is to, to, to use these subtle lies that are 90% truth, but have the ability to take you out. And one of those lies that I think is most common for us that he whispers into the ears of, of Americans you know, during Christmas 2022 is this. You have to do everything, be at everything, go here, go there, get that, do this. Whatever they do is what you should do or else you're going to fall behind, which begs the question behind what? You're going to fall behind. It makes us have this, this fear. If, if, and if we believe we're falling behind, what we do is we hurry. We rush. We have this, this breakneck pace that we live in our life, going from here to there, trying to accomplish everything, trying to do it all. It's this hurry sickness. In fact, John Mark Comer, he, he uses the, the psychology today definition of hurry sickness to explain it. He says, hurry sickness is a behavior pattern in which a person feels chronically short of time. Can I be honest? That's, that's my life a lot of times. I just feel like I'm chronically short of time. We feel chronically short of time and so tends to perform every task faster and gets flustered and frustrated when we encounter any kind of delay. So when you have this, you have this, this sense of urgency, you are constantly in a rush, constantly in a panic, constantly impatient, constantly moving from one thing to the next thing, trying to get to the next season of your life. You are, for example, you're the person in the grocery store that, that you know, is looking at which line is going to be the shortest and assessing what line to get in because it's going to save you 30 seconds. 30 seconds are going to change your life, right? Like I do it too. Like you're the person that pulls up to the stoplight. And before you get there, you're looking at how many cars are in each lane to make sure that you can get in the fastest lane in order to go first and get ahead of everybody. And I'm telling my, my family this because it's me. I'm doing this. In fact, I can take it to a whole different level. And that is, I will look at the kind of cars in the lane. <laughs> but that car ain't going fast. I'm getting in front of that car, right? Like the hurry sickness causes us to, if there's any kind of delay, like you're at an airport and your flight gets delayed or canceled, you lose your mind or you're driving to, you know, grandma's house for Christmas and there's an accident that causes you to, to be stuck in traffic. You're like, how dare they have an accident on my very abbreviated vacation? What's wrong with these people? It's this hurry sickness. It's this sense of, of urgency and it causes you and I to be impatient. It causes us to be more irritable and frustrated. It causes things that are, are not huge problems to become huge problems in our life. It's this constant sense of urgency. And when we live this way, we have a difficult time being in the present, do we not? Like even when we're here, even in church, we can have a, a difficult time just sitting and, and allowing God to speak to us. Even we're, when we're at home with our family, we're not really at home with our family because of this, this hurry sickness that we have. And so if we stop for a minute, we might stop, but our soul is restless. We might stop, but our mind is, is continually going and it almost feels like it's hard to take a breath. It's, it feels like we don't have any time for anything. 
especially the most important things in life, they get put on the back burner like, like cooking a healthy meal or exercising or spiritual disciplines. Oftentimes, it's the things that are most important, the things that should be repeated are the things that get deleted the quickest. Are you with me? The things that we should be doing are the things that we get you know, removed because of this hurry sickness. Like, Colby, you want me to you know, sit and, and read the Bible and pray? Are you kidding? Do I look like someone who has five minutes, you know, to my, to my life to be able to do that? And listen, if you're relating to any of these symptoms and you feel like deep in your soul out of breath or exhausted or tired, can I just tell you, welcome to the party. It's kind of the new normal. And I don't really even have to tell you that because you feel that. You feel that this is the, the new way, you know, things are happening in your life. But what if? What if we were able to just press pause for a minute in this crazy, busy season? What if we were able to press pause in, in church and just asked ourselves, can things be different? Should things be different? Should I live my life at this breakneck pace or should I embrace the pace of the one who I claim to follow, Jesus, who says, come to me if you're weary or burdened. I'll give you rest. Watch me. I'll show you how to do it. Watch me work. Watch, watch my rhythms. Watch the cadence in which I, I live. Do you need a divine disruption? Because again, Jesus was busy. However, he was not hurried. And I think if he was here, I think he would ask us to match his, his pace. And so he says, I'll give you a yoke. And think about that word yoke. Because if you're anything like me, you're like a yoke, a tool for work. I don't, I don't need more work. I don't need something else. I'm already busy. Look at my life. Have you seen my Google calendar? I mean, like I'm, I got too much going on. Like that's real stuff. I'm busy right now. But a yoke is not how to not be busy. A yoke is about how to uh, not be hurried internally. This is what a yoke would do. A yoke was this, this ancient tool. In fact, it's still being used today. This wooden beam that would harness two oxen or, or cows or, or something like that together, and they're pulling one plow. And so as they would pull one plow, they would be able to get more done in less amount of time with energy left over to spare. And Jesus says, if you will be yoked to me, that's what your life could look like. In this crazy season, how many of you would love this in this crazy season to be able to get more accomplished in less amount of time, hello, with energy left over to spare. This is the invitation that he gives us all. In this chaotic time where we wanna hurry and run around from this thing to that thing and feel all this kind of, of pressure, if we come under the yoke of Jesus, we would accomplish more in less time with energy to spare. And if that's not good news, I don't know what is. And I know some of us are thinking, man, this, this whole God thing and this whole church thing is, Colby, just another thing that I have to do. It's another thing on my list. And it sounds great, but if I stop doing things, then things don't get, get done. That, I understand that. That's where a lot of us are. Colby, I still have school. Or I still got to get the kids to school. I still have to make dinner because how many of you know dinner does not make itself? 
I still got to go shopping for dinner. We still have games to play. We still have rehearsals and practices to go to. We still have shopping to get done. How many of you still have Christmas shopping on your, on your list? A lot of us, right? Those of you that don't, that's fine. We hate you, but that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> or are we going to do a Christmas card this year like we did last year? I don't know. Everybody else is doing one. So we feel the pressure of, of doing it. And we have company coming over and we got to get ready for that and all this stuff. So I, I understand that. And now you're telling me, Colby, I need to supplement all of that with this yoke of Jesus tool I, too. I need another tool to do work with Colby. What I don't need is a, a tool. I need some stronger eggnog this season. I don't need another tool. What I need is a vacation. I need a day at the spa this season. But Jesus did not come to give us another thing to supplement to our life. In fact, he's not a supplement. He's a savior. He did not die on the cross, live a perfect, sinless life, forgive us of our sins in order to enhance our life. That's not the goal of following Jesus. He said, I came to do that to give you a brand new life, not to enhance the life that you have. And the way that we do that is by taking on his yoke. Again, this is an amazing invitation from Jesus. But because while life is, is amazing and it's awesome and it's such a gift, we all know that. How many of you know, can we be honest in church is also hard. It's challenging. It can be this carousel, it seems like, of busyness and chaos and expectations and obligations and responsibilities. And God knew that, which is why he didn't offer us an escape. What he offered us was equipment to carry us in this, this life, an invitation to match his pace, to match his rhythm, to be yoked to him, to be harnessed to him, to see how he he does it come and experience the rhythms of grace this Christmas season. That sounds good. And it's like, I want that. That makes sense to me, Colby. Yes, yes. How? Preacher man, how do we do that? Like, because right now I'm thinking about things I have to get done. Right now, you know, this is kind of seeming like a waste of time. If that's it and we're out of here, then you've really just wasted my time. And I get that. So I'm going to give you two quick thoughts to chew on. Something to think about. You can jot these down. You, you can do them or not. Um, but I'm going to leave you with two practical things to consider in this, this Christmas season. You ready for number one? I don't think you are. I don't think you're ready for this jelly. Sorry, sorry. You should not know that song, by the way. Shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on me. Number one. Do you have a phone? Or does your phone have a human? Uh-oh. I am not anti-phone guy. Like, I, I got mine in my pocket. You know what we call that? An addiction, right? I'm not anti-phone guy. Um, I'm not against having a phone. I am vehemently opposed to my phone having me. To it controlling me. And if we can just have some real talk, I understand that these devices, in fact, the world has changed a lot in a short amount of time. And it was on uh, June 29th, 2007, you know, that Steve Jobs unleashed this thing into the wild and it has changed our life. And on an average today, every single day, we, we pick this thing up, use this thing about 150 times per day. 
We are now more connected to information and, yes, opportunities than ever before. But 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, like we have all the, the good and all the bad in our pocket that this world has to offer. And so here's what I, I, I was thinking about this. We are, we are finite beings. You realize that, right? We were never meant to know everything or comprehend everything. Like that's not our job. We were never designed and created to, to do that. We are finite beings who now have this infinite supply. And there's this, this chaos because of it. We are finite beings. We weren't meant to, to understand it all, but we have at our fingertips an infinite supply, which is why, by the way, when we lose this thing, we also lose our minds, do we not? We go crazy. Like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? Where's my, my stuff? And we, we almost feel like an addict when we are without it. And the reason why we almost feel that way is because it is that way. And it is as harsh and as extreme as that. If you wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is reach for a drink, we call that alcoholism. If you wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is have to get on this before saying good morning to your spouse. Like we have this thing in our pocket. And so it just begs, you know, the question, do you have a phone or does your phone have a human? Because the point of technology was to make our lives better, and it does in so many different ways. In fact, I was studying this, and in the 1960s, there was this explosion of time-saving technology. Things like the, the dishwasher came out, things like the microwave and the toaster. Come on, Come on we gotta you know, toast some Pop-Tarts, like toaster. Like these things were gonna save us these, this massive amounts of time. In fact, to the point where sociologists were concerned. They were concerned that Americans would have so much time on their hands that they would, you know, not have enough to do. Too much leisure time. And in 1967, there was a famous Senate subcommittee that actually predicted this. Check it out. By 1985, Americans would work 27 hours a week and 22 weeks a year. That's what they predicted. Who has that job? Anybody? Tell me what it is. That's what they predicted. And so what happened? What happened? The technology worked. The dishwashers worked. The microwave worked. Toaster worked. It saved time. But what did we do with all that extra time? We added stuff to it. Which is why when people say, well, if I just have one more hour in a day. Listen, like if God suddenly gave us 25 hours instead of 24 hours out of the day, you know what you would do with that extra hour? You wouldn't make it a Sabbath hour. You wouldn't rest. You wouldn't, you know, get more, more sleep. You know what you would do? You would fill it with something else. You would fill it. And we have this pressure in our world to fill every single space of our lives because everyone else is. And if you aren't doing it, if you aren't, you remember when you used to go to work and go home, and that was it. Does anybody remember those days? That's not what we do anymore. We go to work, we go home, we get back on work. We work some more. Because we feel like if we don't, someone else is. And someone else is getting further ahead than we are. It's this FOMO, right? It's this fear of missing out that we have. If someone's moving beyond us. 
And so technology, again, I'm not, uh, you know, the anti-phone person, but none of us feel like we can rest because no one is. And technology is great. It has so much potential in our lives to make our lives better. But if and only if you have it, it does not have you. So let me just ask you a question. What does self-control in this season, maybe just this season, maybe some of us need to start there. What does self-control in this season with infinity in your pocket look like for you? What does stewardship of your time with infinity in your pocket look like for you? Maybe you need to say, hey, this season, we're going to put some parameters on our usage. And I'm not telling you what to do. I think this looks different for everyone, by the way. Like, I don't think this is a one size fits all. But you need to ask yourself this question. What does stewardship of this phone look like for you? Because I think the world has patterns. And again, we are conforming to its patterns. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 says, so then let us not be like others. Let's not be like everyone else. Let's be more like have the spirit of Buddy the Elf. Like just because someone else is doing it doesn't mean we have to. Let's not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. Because lasting change, lasting life and joy and peace is found in being present in each and every moment. Again, Jesus was busy, but he was present in the moment. He was never hurried. God is a God of being present. And it's really hard to be, to be here together when we're here. Isn't it? It's a hard in your family to be here together when we're here all the time. So what does it look like for you? Simon Sinek, he says this, that our brain, when it's dialed into something constantly, like looking down at it, doing whatever we do, he says, when our brain is dialed into something, we lose creativity and we lose health. And it's, it's only when we're not dialed down into this, this device, right, that creativity starts to, to come back, which is the reason why you have the best ideas in the shower when you don't have this with you. You have the best ideas when you're running. You have the best ideas when you're just laying in bed at night, you know, awake, thinking about, about things. It's when you don't have your phone because you can actually be present in the moment. So there's some questions that I think we should be asking. Um, and one is, do I have a phone? Or does my phone have a human? Is this adding to my life? Do I feel like I'm out of breath? Is it, is it making my life more valuable? Or do I feel like I'm constantly comparing my life to everyone else and seeing what they're doing and seeing how they're living and I need to do the same thing with my time and my resources and look the same as everyone else? I've never had, had more you know, opportunity, more options constantly be doing. I've had infinity at my fingertips but what does stewardship of that infinity look like? That's all I'm going to say about that. That's something for you to chew on. By the way, if you're mad at me for talking about it, you're probably the one that needs it. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. No, real talk, Proverbs tells us this, that um, wounds from a friend can be trusted. And honestly, I'm just, I, I want to be your friend. I'm just trying to help. Amen. Trying to help. It says that we are to spur one another in Hebrews, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And sometimes spurring, that can't feel good. But it helps us. It helps us move. I have one more. If you guys still want it, you guys still want it? Yeah. <laughs> Not after that, we don't. 
Uh, one more practical way I think we need a divine disruption in this season and to be present. And when I say present, by the way, I don't mean finally present at 10 p.m. on Christmas Eve when everyone is, you know, in bed. Not that they go to bed by 10 p.m., you know, just kind of, you know, where you finally crash on the couch from all the chaos. I mean, really present. Um, and here's, here's one more thing to give you, and that, that is to recognize you are allowed to say no. Or whoop whoop. <laughs> You're allowed to say no. Remember the, the, our internal state of hurry. That's our great enemy. That's our great spiritual enemy of our life, um, of our relationship with God. And sometimes we do have to just get less busy, less involved. I used to think that it, it was sometimes uh, selfish for me to say no to things. But when I say no to some things, I become less uh, busy. And as a result of becoming less busy, we become less hurried. And as a result of being less hurried, we are more healthy. So when I say no to things, here's what it does. It, it, it gives my wife a, a husband who is less hurried Amen. and is more engaged. Amen. Ladies, when you say no to things, it gives your husband someone who is less stressed and less, you know, um, is a healthier, healthier wife. And it's difficult for us to say no in this age of unlimited options. We have everything again at our fingertips. There's a million shows to watch. There's a million things to do. There's games to play on your phone. There's things to read. You know, there's places to go, people to see. But what has been uh, interesting about options, as most studies will tell you, the more options go up in our life, the more our happiness goes down. The more options that we have of things to do and where to go, it seems like we are, we are not as happy. We are more confused. There's more chaos in our life, again, because of FOMO. It's the fear of missing out. Because by, by saying yes to one thing means you're saying no to a, a number of other things, does it not? And when we say no to other things, we think, man, there's this fear of regret. There's this fear of, you know, I'm not doing something that I should be doing. So instead, we say yes to everything. And what I've discovered about decision-making for me is that the pain of, of decision-making is not uh, in, in the actual decision itself. It's in the, the, the pain when we sit in torture of being indecisive with all the options and all these things that we should do and whatever. Some of you, the most godly thing you can do is leave here, go home, make three decisions today and be done, even if they're the wrong ones. But stop, you know, pouring over them. Just make some, make some decisions. I promise you, you'll feel like you just had a day at the spa. Weight was lifted. And for some of you, the most godly thing you can do is decide you're going to say no to some things in your life. You're going to become a little less busy. I think of it in this, this term. Every uh, musician knows that when it comes to playing music or writing music, you don't play every single note. Like, you don't play every note that is possible or available. In fact, Matt, go ahead and play. Just play every note. If you were to play every note, just play them all right now. Just, yeah, man, that's... That's awful. That's wonderfully awful, is it not? Like, when you play every single note, do it again. Just play, play every single note. That's not a song. That's just noise, right? All right, that's enough. That's terrible. That's terrible. 
you have to edit yourself. You cannot play every single note. Otherwise, your life sounds more like noise and looks more like noise than it does a song. And if you and I are going to match the rhythm and the cadence of the one we claim to follow, there has to be some editing going on. Otherwise, your life's just noise. And I wonder if there are those in this room that would be willing to admit, Colby, that that sound is more like my life right now in this season. Is that the way some of you feel with all this happening, all this going on? Got to get to this place, to that place. Listen, you are allowed to say no to the bad notes so that your life can sound more like the good notes. And I think the problem for many of us is sometimes, you know, we say yes to things. We say it's even good things. It's good things. But you are not saving room for the best things, the great things, which is just matching the pace and the rhythm. And it's not just about not being busy, but it's about not being hurried. And it's about being present in the present moment. Otherwise, your life can quickly sound like garbage. You know, it was Mozart who said that I write masterpieces not because of the notes that I choose, but because of the notes that I don't. You don't have to play every single note. In fact, when you do, it's just noise. You don't have to do everything in life. When you do, it's just noise and nobody gets the best of you. They all get a piece. And at the end of the day, the people who matter the most are the people who have your last name that should get the most of who you are. Are you with me? Otherwise, it's just noise. And can I say this? Can I say this? We're about to worship and just let God continue to speak to us through a time of worship. But give other people in your life permission to say no too. You know, maybe they didn't come to your party, not because they don't like you, but because they are tired like you, because they have things going on too. So give them permission to say no to all the introverts in the room. I mean, this, this time of year is incredibly, you know, taxing for them. And all the introverts are like, amen, praise the Lord, thank you. Right? Give them permission to say no. What if this Christmas you and I adopted a new cadence. And instead of doing what everyone else does, what if you and I said we're going to have the spirit of Buddy the Elf on our life, and instead of doing everything because everyone else is doing it, we are going to take the yoke of Jesus, the one who said, if you're weary and heavy laden, follow me, I'll give you rest. And that's by taking on his yoke, doing it his way, matching his pace, matching his rhythm, getting more done in this season and less time with more energy left to spare. Would you stand to your feet and just bow your head? And again, not thinking about what you have to do next. Not thinking about where you have to go, what needs to get done. Not thinking about your list in this moment. But can we just for a moment just say, Jesus, what do I need to do? What do I need to do in this season to... To, to live life the way that matters the most, to make the most important things the most important thing. My family, my time with you, God, my, my health. Like otherwise, I'm not going to be, be good to anyone if I don't keep the priorities in check. And so, 
God, today, would you continue to speak to us? What are the things that we need to just lay at your feet? Lay on the altar. What, what does, what does um, stewardship of like just unlimited knowledge at our fingertips with our, with our devices, God, what does stewardship of that look like in this season? God, convict us. God, well, what are the things that we need to say, say no to that allow us to say yes to the very best things? Because what we believe as being followers of yours is spending that time with you, God, being in your presence, being with friends and family, having good meals and good conversations, loving each other. And probably be the best use of our time in this season, not trying to do what everyone else is doing. So God, help us right now to lay some things on the altar in Jesus' name. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There'll be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.